to the extended cut after a couple of weeks. We are back. We had a good time in Orlando going to the Exponential Conference. So uh, thanks for your patience and joining us again this week. We got John Reeves on. Hey, everybody. Since uh, he was broadcast across all the uh, churches yesterday, probably good to, to have him in the room. And, you know, you would think talking about grace wouldn't open up such a, a big can of worms, but I think we opened up a pretty big yes, can of worms did. on Sunday. We did. I just listened to the people process. It's only been 24 hours, and I heard been 48 hours. Yeah. Get on the right day, but it's been, uh, I've heard multiple stories of people just working out real situations in their homes or lives or jobs where uh, they're trying to figure out how to operate uh, with this whole concept of grace. Yeah. For 2,000 years, we've been dealing with this. Yes, sir. Um, And when I say 2,000 years, ever since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this has been been an issue that people have had to wrestle with. And so clearly, we get to the grace piece from Genesis 43. Mm -hmm. We we get to it because uh, Judah talks his dad into going back home. He's going to bring Benjamin he puts his life on the line, puts his, his character on the line. He gets there, and Joseph is gracious to them, right? He, he's gracious to them. He says, hey, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to, you know, all of this stuff. Very, very gracious, which is not the response they were expecting. Not at and all. So they don't know what to do with it. I think Joseph is actually teasing them a little bit by putting them in order around the table mm-hmm. and saying, my God. Like, he, I think he's even trying to tip his hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're not buying it. They, he, he's so far off their radar. They're just worried about Benjamin. They're worried about getting Simeon out of prison. They're worried about getting home to dad. And so all of this grace talk and, and the kindness that was shown leads us to how do we respond to kindness that's shown to us, um, which then means how do we show kindness to others? Mm-hmm. Um, and for when you think through it, and the reason I say for 2,000 years, the church had to make some really important decisions early. When, when somebody who's not a Jew puts their faith and trust mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ, do we need to make them obey the law? circumcision, Sabbath, what do they need to do? And the church made it clear up front, no, 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 we're not under the law anymore. And, man, it was a struggle big for those time. Jews. Yeah, big t- I mean, this you're talking about, you're basically saying, hey, Passover really isn't about Passover anymore. Mm-hmm. It was about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, yeah. this, that, that's like saying Christmas... Really isn't about Jesus. It's about me. I hate yeah, to tell yeah. y'all would go crazy about that, mm-hmm. and that's what Jesus did. And so, as a result, this grace thing has been it's been tricky because we like to measure people by rules and regulations, yeah. and and so I think we have a hard time responding to grace yeah. when you know we maybe don't feel like we're worthy of it. We get skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, I don't think we really know how to give it out. Yes, uh, the word thrown around sometimes counterintuitive. Grace is so mm. opposite of everything in this world. Uh, and what's strange is that we talked about it a little bit on Sunday. Even the religions align with, with the way of the world. I mean, mm. and, and these brothers, the whole text, these brothers, they are sold on there's only one way and 
you uh, you, you you gonna get what you give. I mean, yeah, you're gonna get this payback for whatever yeah. you do. This payback, and I mean, I, I, it just struck me that they believed in karma. They didn't. They mm-hmm. their their father and their father's father and Abraham was made a promise, but they knew the way of the world. And Joseph was operating in another way. One of my favorite lines, and I didn't really get to unpack it on Sunday, is the manager speaks to them, and he says, your God, the God of your father. You talk about a tip in the hat, and they don't even smell it. They are so convinced that the world works one way, they can't hear it. They can't hear grace, and that is who we are. That's who the church is. We're supposed to be the counterintuitive bunch. In a world that's all flowing, well, we're supposed to flow the other way. We're yeah. aliens. I mean, the scripture couldn't be more clear on this. And yeah. this concept uh, of grace is the is the thing that sets us apart. Yeah, it's uh, it, the the idea of when we're not expecting it. And so it says the the brothers were afraid. And, you know, Joseph says, "Hey, we're going to bring it to the house. We're going to slaughter this animal." And it says the brothers were afraid because yeah. They said, we brought us here because the money that was returning our bags the, the first time, they intend to overpower us and seize us and make us slaves. Like, they are expecting the worst. And take our donkeys. <laughs> take our donkeys. <laughs> like, this thing's just getting yeah, out of control, exactly. right? Right. And um, it just is, it's amazing that from this standpoint, we don't expect grace on our lives. We expect you know, I brought this big fancy gift. I brought all these pistachios and almonds and all this stuff. And so you're bribing him, bribing him. And we think we do that with God and God just brushes that off. And, and then we know deep down, like it's not enough, but we still do it anyway. And then when the grace is given, we just, we just don't know how to respond to it. It's overwhelming, but it is life changing. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, as, as our folks, we do this together and you listen to this podcast, this this idea of grace is not, I mean, it's just not a trivial conversation. It's not just another church word. It is so important to learn it and relearn it and reexamine ourselves and see if I've slidden away from it, see if I'm again competing. It has been a, a lifelong wrestling match for me to mm-hmm. accept. The, I believe it, and then I have to, in, in a... Odd way, rebelieve it. Yes, mm. I have to rewash my life with with the truths about grace, our God's grace. Yeah, um, I, I think there. I think some of it becomes tricky for us. In we know that we've been given grace, a free gift of salvation. Mm-hmm. Romans six twenty three. Unmerited favor. Right. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift of God is. Jesus Christ came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross for our sin, three days later he rose again, all I gotta do is put my faith and trust in him. That's this grace of justification. Mm-hmm. And I think most of us are pretty square on that. At least intellectually. Intellectually, yeah. yeah. I think what happens is there's this other grace, this grace of sanctification, mm-hmm. where I'm supposed to be tr- following the model of Jesus Christ, pursuing Jesus Christ, and we still have sin. And so as a result, it's, it's what do I do with this? And how do I embrace grace? But then how do I change? And, and I think there's this tug of war of, and then all of a sudden, sometimes if I view this sanctification grace 
improperly, it then affects my justification because then I wonder, well, I was ever saved to begin yeah, with. Yeah, brings doubt, yeah. Yeah, and so if if we don't get grace squared away, then, um, man, it, it really has, it could, it could create all kinds of confusion spiritually for us. Yes. Yeah, I, it is, uh, I, I was moved as I was just getting ready to give this talk of, of how important it's been in my own personal life and really wanting that for our people. Thinking about the day when I first believed, and I believed as a boy, I knew I was a sinner mm-hmm. and I needed a Savior. It was that simple. Yeah. It was childlike faith. And praise the Lord for it, right? So I, so I believed, but it deepened my relationship and understanding of God um, later in life as I, I really started to understand how undeserving I was. I knew I was a sinner, like so at a very base level. But as we grow in Christ, we should further understand our lack of ability to attain this relationship with God. And, and, and somehow... Over the course of time, I can forget that some. And I have to go back and remember and look at that bread and juice on Sunday and say, I don't deserve this. Yeah. It, it was given. There's there's nothing comparing myself to the guy down the pew or the guy across the cubicle at work. I, it's just ridiculous. There's no deserving this. And then when you there's a freedom that, that I want for our folks, that I, I want for myself. I want to keep chasing back that freedom that comes when you realize you can't. Mm. Because otherwise, tomorrow you get up and try to. And it's frustrating. It's depressing. The failure after failure after failure. So this truth about him doing all the work and we could do nothing is uh, is wonderful. Yeah. I I think about grace here in in chapter 43. You know, the, the brothers have Benjamin here and um, it's an interesting parallel of the brothers who sold him into slavery are being shown grace uh, because Benjamin's there Hmm. yeah like there's a there's been some times where I've been with somebody Mm -hmm. and I've gotten favor because I was with the right guy Mm -hmm. I knew the right person and so I got a seat at the table not because of anything I'd done, mm-hmm. but because I just came with the right person. And there's a piece of this here that clearly these guys are getting grace because they came with the right guy. That's right. And for us, um, you know, it, in poor fashion to over-spiritualize the text, but <laughs> it, 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 the the reality is is that's what we have when we stand before we God. Do. We've come with the right person in Jesus Christ, and that's mm-hmm. where the grace is. Um, no we have to see ourselves that way. We the, we don't belong without him. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, I know I'm struggling with grace when I'm having a hard time telling God that I love Him. Mm-hmm. It's then then you clear like then when it's all praying about stuff going on in life and and uh, when I can't worship when I can't tell Him that I love Him, then I you've forgotten like you 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 have some entitlement at being at this table and 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 then the you know the the scary part is then I'm I'm also somewhat miserable because I'm trying to deserve to be at this table and I'm striving and I'm busting my tail in one way or another mentally I'm at least arguing for myself and so much better to um rest in the fact that he paid the way and and, and then be motivated because of that 
to go to work. Yeah, so what ends up happening is we, we, f- we think we've earned the right to be at the table. And because of that entitlement, we forget that it's only by grace that we're at the table. And when we forget that it's only by grace, we have a very difficult time giving that grace. Yeah, we start expecting others. That's right. To meet some standard in our mind that we're probably good at. Mm. And, and we give the folks a pass on the things that we fail at. And because we're not holy, but we hold them to a high standard on whatever our subject is. Yeah. And we yeah. become an accidental Pharisee. Absolutely. We didn't set out to be that. No. But now we look at the table, we look at 10, 20 years of maybe even fateful, clean living, if you will. Yes. And we look down and we see, oh, well, that, that's this is where these people are, fill in the blank on whatever you want to do. And so as a result, we we now have a failure to give grace because of this puffed up view of ourselves. Yeah, and that, that can come out verbally. I mean, you know, I've seen churches that are just ugly because that is their mindset. They were saved by grace, but they live by an ungrace. Yeah. And so that verbally comes out and there's a pressure and an ugliness even to their gatherings. You don't even want to be there. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, Our folks have these stories and they are horrid, yeah. some of them. But it also can be unsaid. Yeah. It can be something that you never really speak, but internally you begin to puff yourself up, and that thing can get away from you in a hurry. Yeah. And and the next thing you know, you're like you're judging everybody else, but you're also miserable because you know you don't meet it. Yeah. And so you're fighting. That's, I mean, I, this is why uh, uh, some religions of the world will kill people. Like it becomes yeah. violent because you're doing everything you can to protect your self righteousness. You have to. You have to fight for all. What a miserable way to live. Yeah. In light of grace. It's been given to us by God. And we got it like in our core theology. Yeah. And then we we forget. So the tendency is to move toward legalism. Indeed. We, we drift toward there. Or What's we, that mean? What's legalism mean for us? So legalism would be this, this idea that I have a list of rules that people should follow, yeah. and I become legalistic about them. And so... Um, the, the legalism of, you know, I, I grew up in Baptist life, and so we could be legalistic about several things. Yep. Most of them um, extra biblical. Yes. I won't say unbiblical. They were added to, if you sure. will. So you dress up to go to church. Sure. Um, you don't chew gum in church. You don't run in church. Those are all extra biblical things. And I, I'm proud my parents, and I was a part of a church that, Said, hey, you're you're in a place we need to honor God. Respect. I'm not real sure that those were the the, the things that I needed to hone in on. Right. But those were we become legalistic. Somebody wears a hat in church. It's like, whoa, what just happened? Right. Um. And then that can go even further down. Now there are some things that were very legalistic about that were the right things to be legalistic about, but they weren't done graciously. The tone. Yeah. So the tone for me growing up is that sex is bad, uh, true love waits. All of those are they they were they were a good message, but the tone could have been more gracious instead of trying to scare me away from doing those things. Why yeah. don't we get what the Bible says about it and do it that way? Yeah, they're birthed in some kind of a truth. Yes. But yeah, but the, some of the things that we did certainly around sex would would make you almost it, you get married and you still think it's dirty because you were taught so much against it. And then you, you got some some folks get married and and they say, "Oh, I did it right," and it's 
and they have a really difficult time with intimacy. Yeah. And, and so, it, like, it just is so confusing when you throw it out there. Uh, and and uh, beyond just the simple truths about sex, we'll, mm. we'll enhance it to try to keep you from it. And it, next thing you know, a kid has sex outside of marriage and feels like he can't be saved. Yeah. Because now, it's, now he it's, can't embrace grace. Can't, can't. Got to leave church. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Joshua Harris is the guy that wrote "I Kissed Dating Goodbye," yeah. and that would be a legalistic approach so to saying, "Hey, you you don't date until you find the person you're going to marry." And and then there was all kinds of questions, and we're not here to talk about that. But you're talking about a guy now, some 20 years later, right. has renounced the book, yeah, um, divorced his wife, yep. It looks like he's celebrating a homosexual lifestyle um, by his social media post and even walking away from the fundamentals of the Christian faith. So then that leads us to the other extreme, which some people think that when you're gracious and you're not legalistic, then that means you need to become tolerant or that we need to become fuzzy on conservative evangelical doctrine. And that seems to be where most churches fall. You're either going to go to a conservative church that's going to preach a lot of legalism and a lack of grace, or you're going to go to one that's going to say, hey, we're all just good here. We're all going to God. Yeah, we all get along. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you live you, I'll live me, and Mm -hmm. let's just be a happy, you know, spiritual family, Mm -hmm. which is wrong too. Absolutely. And so I think the... I think the issue for us is Sunday, you tried to walk that line yes. of, and I think it's yeah. the right line, mm-hmm. of we're going to stand on God's word, but we don't want to be legalistic about it, and we also don't want to go to the other side that says we're just going to tolerate everything, and it makes it really tricky because you've done this in the last couple of times you've preached was you bring up politics oh yeah, and you bring up sexuality. And I, I think 20 years ago, religion and politics, I think you can add sexuality to that mix now. Absolutely. Well, it, is, it is, it's, it's flowed into the polit- political conversation. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, these are big deals. Yeah. And so as a result, how do we maneuver that? How do we have grace? How, how can we not be legalistic? And so you get up and say, hey, we, grace tells us to love People, mm, absolutely, and people are sinners. Mm-hmm. So that means we're loving sinners. It means all of us. It means all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's what grace does. Mm-hmm. But truth says there's still sin. Mm-hmm. So yep. I don't get to just go off one side and say, "Hey, I'm not going to acknowledge sin anymore," or I don't get to go to the other side and just start hating people because of sin in their life. That's right. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I I tried to come up with a couple. I maybe put together 10 statements just to make people nervous. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, just so we think about, like, so racism is a thing that just really bothers me. Has since I was a boy. It brings anger in my in, on my insides, and that is right. That's a righteous indignation. It's righteous indignation. Yes. I'm angry, and I'm ready to go on it. But then, it just so I started one of the hardest ones for myself. And then, but I still have to love the racist. Hmm. I mean, this is Jesus came and he died for racist. Hmm. I mean, we don't have to read very far in the Gospels. He's working this out live and in person as the Jews hated the Samaritans, and he is, and they're overtly speaking this language. It is a comment, and he is 
leading them to himself as the Messiah. He, it is, uh, it's just a powerful but complex thing where I'm going to speak strongly against racism. And in my case, I'm going to speak with anger, a righteous anger mm-hmm. against racism. And at the same time, I'm going to hopefully live and speak the gospel to those who are racist. And it's yeah. it's and we and you go down the list and it, it, yeah when you get on the sec- sexual ones then it gets even more personal in our society but racism is one of those things that's up right up there right now too it's uh, it's a yeah. big conversation in our country so let, let's just talk about racism because my guess is is that most everybody's going to be really good with this one yeah they maybe, are but they aren't maybe not as <laughs> yeah. maybe not as passionate as yeah, you yeah, are yeah. but we would all I think we could all sit back and and there's probably not the tension of you know. Um, it's really hard for me to to s- separate racism and and people. Yeah, yeah. But if you listen to our language, and when I say ours, I, I just mean our culture. Mm-hmm. Typically, what we do is we use the term racist to disqualify and marginalize people. Absolutely. And so, as a result, when I marginalize you by calling you racist, I am no longer just stating something, uh, a sin that you have, what I'm doing is that I'm marginalizing you. I'm belittling you. I'm saying you shouldn't be listening to. You don't have value. You don't have worth. You don't have anything. Um, and it's and, and, and it's real easy. Like if I just don't like you anymore, I can just call you a racist. And now I have completely, you know, pushed you off one side or the other. Right. Um, and... We would say, no, 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 no. We, we don't want to. That's not their identity, right? They're made an image of God. They're made. They're not yeah. my enemy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made the the folks like Martin Luther King, Gandhi, others who they just sat back and they were able to look at folks and say, they're not my enemy. Mm-hmm. This this is not a this is not. I'm using this to make you against me. And so, um, crazy power. Yeah, that those two men carry because of that approach. Yes. Yeah, which was uh, you know reading some of Martin Luther King's stuff. Uh, he didn't just get there. That wasn't just me. I, one of my favorite stories about Martin Luther King Jr. is him in in jail. You know, basically jailed for walking down the street. And, and, and the the sheriff, if I recall, stick the dogs on him and, and, and beat him pretty good in this particular time. I don't remember the exact details, but he said he fasted and prayed for three days so he could mm. forgive. Mm. So, you know, we throw this stuff out. We're not talking about, hey, you just, you know, signed a dotted line. It, it's, it's, it's work to yeah. move yourself to that position of grace for real people, for a white sheriff mm. that hated him for his color. He had, he had to overcome that, the love of racist. And to hate what was being done to him. Yeah, still wrong. Yeah, yeah, nothing nothing about Everything. that says excuse yeah. it, which we're, we're going to get to. Like, mm. we still got the story of Joseph to flesh oh, some yeah, of this gonna stuff come. out. Oh, yeah, it's going to come. It's going to come. But just to sit back and say, I, I love that sheriff. Mm-hmm. So then you get to the homosexuality. Dude. Yeah. Save that one for last. I thought that one had the most pop. So and I'll it had the most pop, yeah. all right? And it, I think there, it, it has that. And so it's really easy today to say, hate the sin, yeah. homosexual, homosexuality, yeah. love the sinner. Yeah. And the problem is, is again, 
like a race, we, we say you're a racist and now it's your identity. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing happens, like you're a homosexual and we make that the identity. Mm-hmm. And um, and some people would would want to divorce themselves from that sin. Mm-hmm. Like a, a drunk or an alcoholic would say, no, no I don't want to be that. Right. And they even have a hard time saying they are that. Right. Which is step one in a 12-step program, right? right? Mm-hmm. You have to say it. We live in a world nowadays where homosexuals would not just don't have a problem saying it. They say, that's who I am. Right. That's their identity, which makes it difficult for us as a church to come along and say, no, no, we're we're against homosexuality, but we're not against you. Mm -hmm. Because we don't look at you and see you as a homosexual. We see you as a child of God. Mm -hmm. You were made in the image of God. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He sent his son for you. I'm the homosexual thing's just that that's that's just one of a million issues every person on the planet struggles with because scripture says we all sin. Yeah, absolutely right. And somehow like slicing that out to say, no, we, yeah, we really do love you. Crazy day. I mean, other other seasons in, in, in the history of the world there have been, been other issues. That That's a huge one right now. It's, it's one that we talk about, uh, you know, our kids are having to wrestle with, and they're being taught, you know, anti-biblical ideas on it. And so you, at one level, you want to be able to state the truth. Mm-hmm. And at the other level, you want to state the truth in the right tone. Yeah. There's a, uh, man, you hear some garbage out there where uh, th- there's literally hatred from, quote, people of God toward the homosexual community. Yes. Um, and I, I, I just can't. And they use the word hate. They use the word hate, and they're God proud of it. God hates you. Yeah. And they'll hold up signs and carry on, and and it's, uh, man, it's, it's embarrassing. It's straight-up embarrassing. And, and it's not true. It's not true. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 100% false. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's got a little tinge of truth in it, so they, they there's yeah. a little tinge of truth. Uh, but so we, so we, the church, and certainly at Radius, we want to be that voice that'll that'll state the truth, but state it in the right tone. And part of the right tone is grace. Mm. When when we recognize that none of us deserve to come to that Lord's Supper table, none of us. Mm. That all of us were lost in the room. That all of us were sinners. Then that ought to change the tone. Mm. Instead of hatred and insecurity, that's a lot of stuff. Just insecurity. Mm. Then we can uh, th- then we can have friends that are in sin, and we can go down the list. Homosexuality be one of them. We have friends that are in sin, but the hope mm. is that they meet Jesus and repent of sin. Yeah, and but it, it's really dicey because man, when you when you think that's your identity, uh, and it is your identity, yeah, then repentance is 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 going to be really painful, a long process. And who better than the people of God that operate in grace and know how to use the right tone to walk people through a repentance? It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. As we think about the identity piece, um, so just just to talk about the homosexuality just a little bit longer and then making a a one-for-one that I think is real so that everyone can feel it is... um, Today, if someone hears me on this podcast say that homosexuality is a sin, then oftentimes they might call me a bigot. Sure. And because they have so wrapped their sexual practice up with their identity 
that what they cannot hear me say is that homosexuality is a sin, but I still love you as a person. But because their identity is so wrapped up in it, that's why they call me a bigot. Because a bigot is against somebody who you don't agree with. I'm not against you. Mm-hmm. I love you. you. You're made in the image of God. So a couple of weeks ago, you bring up politics. Mm-hmm. And the identity politics of I am a... Republican. Democrat. Democrat. Right. And when someone says something bad about Republican politics... Bernie or Trump. Right. All of the sudden... You are feeling the exact same way mm-hmm. the homosexual does because you've wrapped your identity in that mm-hmm. and you can't separate yourself from it. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just really interesting to think about our identity and our identity has a big part to play in how we receive grace and how we give grace mm-hmm. because um, if our identity is found in anything else, it's going to be really difficult to to accept it and to give it. So then what we start doing is we start reading the Bible as a Republican. That's right. And it has to fit. And, and you, you you can see this. All you got to do is pull up Facebook. People are taking the Bible and forcing it into a Republican or a Democratic agenda. And it man, it's really embarrassing. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, we use the word eisegesis. They're pulling stuff out. Like that, no way does the text say that. We, you do the same thing with these sin issues. Um so, so if my identity is in homosexuality, I have to read the Bible. I got to make it work for that. We've had folks do that with racism. They actually argue sure. for racism based on by, by pulling the scripture out of context. years ago, that's Ab- what they were doing. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, when you read it, it's, it's embarrassing. So there's a humility that has to come mm-hmm. that I'm going to submit to the scripture no matter what it says. Yeah. And that's going to rip away anything that I identify with more than Christ. I, I, I read an article of a gentleman who did the same thing with homosexuality because he believes it's not a sin. Yeah. He went through and explained all those passages away. Sure, Romans 1. Um, and, and we can do it with 100 things. We bring to the Bible presuppositions. Absolutely. And no one, everyone is guilty of it. Agreed. Everyone is guilty of it. My Everybody, myself, nobody, I don't care who you are. It's true Your too. favorite Bible teacher and theologian is guilty of coming to the text with presuppositions. Yep. The hardest part is I was, I was doing it this Friday with a guy, and it was it was trying to pull the filters <laughs> off so that I could see it a different way. Yeah. And it's hard. Got beat it down. Beat and it then, down. And once you do, you can kind of maybe be intellectually honest and then spiritually honest to say, man, I I could be wrong with the way I've been reading this. And God, what do you want to teach me from your word? Not do I want to see in it. And um, anyway, we, we've we've gone a long way around this thing. But at the end of the day, for us to to somehow see God's word is full of grace, mm-hmm. full of grace from the beginning to the end. I mean, Adam and Eve sin, and they don't drop dead on the spot is grace. And the fact that he has been patient for thousands of years to get his son here, and he has been patient for 2,000 years, as Peter says, so that more people will hear this and put their faith and trust in Jesus. God is incredibly gracious. And you would think his church would want to model that. Absolutely. And show that. Hold true to the standard, mm-hmm. but be incredibly gracious. And um, that has turned out to be a bigger job than no, I think we signed up for. 
I, I said Sunday, and I want to say it again to our folks, grace is the best, our best gift to the world. Yeah. And so we need to fight for it and relearn it and, and ask for the, uh, even preparing for Sunday, I was asking the Holy Spirit, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit now to help me relearn what grace is. Yeah. Uh, I had lunch with a, a friend yesterday, and he had a couple comments. I followed like, the Lord's answer my prayers. He taught me a little bit more about grace at that lunch. Mm. And and because I know, I mean, I'm gonna benefit. Yeah. But my radius is gonna benefit. Mm. There's there's something attractive about this counterintuitive gift that God's given us that sets us apart from all others. This this idea of grace. Yeah. And it's you know, it's complicated. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to make it sound too easy. But man, I'm thankful that that he loves me. Yeah. Well, just to tease it out, next two weeks, I mean, we still got several more weeks in this Joseph series, but we're, we're hitting that piece where it's really climactic here. We're getting there, yeah. And so the next couple of weeks, I encourage you, you're going to want to be at a Radius Church to hear this, this idea of grace and repentance and forgiveness. Um, these are heavy themes. These are massive themes to the Christian faith. And we want you to be there to hear them. And we're going to talk about them over the podcast. It should be some, some fun stuff in the weeks to come. Yeah, appreciate y'all. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us. Y'all have a great week, and we'll do it again next time.